Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 129, brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. Let's talk about this game, Ben, brother. I mean, we came into this thing knowing that it wasn't going to be close. We're already recording. It's midway through the fourth quarter. The Eagles just racked up their ninth sack on the day, which is the ultimate regression to the mean after some early struggles this season. Not sure what we can take away from it, but right now the Eagles are up 31-6, to taking care of business like they should be doing. How you doing, brother? Nine sacks today? That's a lot. Man, everything is delicious, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's just... But this is right. This is like, okay, so the Eagles have an insane amount of pressures and a really low amount of sacks. And then, obviously, they play a really bad Jets offensive line with a quarterback who doesn't have great pocket presence in, in, in Luke Falk. And this is what happens. This is what you... I don't want to say it's what you'd expect. I think you'd expect, like, five. Yeah. Four. Yeah. This is nine, which is twice as much as that. <laughs> But this is obviously a very good sign for an Eagles offensive line that's been struggling, or excuse me, an Eagles, an Eagles defensive line that has been struggling to get sacks over the first four weeks of the season. Now, they're not fully back, you know, in terms of like, we shouldn't expect dominant performances week in and week out. This is probably one of the worst offensive lines, if not the worst they're going to face this year. Yeah. So it's 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 that classic situation of good, but it's what you expected to see. So box check, nothing more. I will say... That when Brandon Graham ends the season with five and a half sacks, six and a half sacks, it's going to look okay. You looked at this game. But we're going to have to remember that literally three of them came against the Jets here. So Yeah, I mean, he started out the day on the first drive with a sack. What the Eagles did, they went three defensive lines centered to the left. And Graham got matched up one-on-one with Winters with no help and beat him right there. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to see some regression to the mean in the positive way in the sacks area for Brandon Graham. Uh, It's hard to have takeaways because I still have issues with the pass coverage connected with the pass rush with the Eagles. Um, Obviously, like we said, those pressures will eventually turn into sacks. You just hope it stays at a a decent rate for the rest of the season. But, uh, again, it's hard with Luke Falk. And this offensive line being what you're dealing with, we knew the run game for the Jets wasn't going to be too much of a threat. The only big play they've had so far this game was Eagles killer Vincent Smith with an end around touchdown, a 19 yard touchdown to kind of pull this game sort of a little bit is to he, the point where we could is record. Is he a, an Eagle killer? Has he done other things before that I don't remember? Remember, he's the limestone college kid that ran in the four threes. Mike Mike Fury, yeah. the former Lions uh, receiver, was his college coach. He was on the Texans. He burned Sewell last year late in the game. Remember oh, that? yeah? Yeah. The deep one. That Not at all. Him. <laughs> but congratulations to him. So the UDFA is, is sticking around the league. Uh, looking around some other stats that maybe we can talk about with this game. The Eagles for the season at one point, and they had a few of these early in the game, 18 straight on third and four or less. That ended in quarter three. So the Eagles have been extremely efficient on the uh, short third down conversions. They had another fourth down. The only thing that can stop a Wentz quarterback sneak is a bad spot, apparently, because I thought Wentz had that easy. I think you wanted to see more from the offense overall. The drives ended in a weird way in a couple places, and I think during the middle portions of the game when they were really slow, 
they had some early penalties that put them in disadvantageous down and distance situations. Still, I think overall the execution in the first half was not all that good. Obviously, those penalties coming in different situations for different reasons, but I know one was Sproles didn't expect Brooks to pick up the blocker, so when he went low, they had a high-low situations. They got called for a cup block. I mean, it just seemed kind of sloppy overall. It was Sam Malo, not Brooks. Sam Malo, excuse me, the left guard. You're correct, Sam Malo. idiot. <laughs> what did you think of the <laughs> offensive performance throughout this game? Because I think they left some things on the table. Right, yeah, they like they. I think the offense played better against Green Bay and the Mike Pettin defense, which had talent at all three levels that we lauded, as opposed to against a, a Jets defense coordinated by Greg Williams that was lacking for talent at multiple levels that we kind of disparaged. And it was still a decent defense, getting decent results from the major metrics, you know. Yeah, and and so the thing is, like the Eagles' offense came out and was a little flat. I think that that the biggest issue was penalties. I like, yeah. I you know, I think that. They put themselves in second and longs, third and longs they didn't need to get. And like, you know, Carson's numbers don't look as good because on third and 23, he's or on second and 23, he's throwing eight yard screens to Dallas Goddard, you know, and like yeah. third and third, it's like handoffs to Darren Sproles. They ran the ball a ton, which brings me to my my one major takeaway on the offense. I I'm I'm in the you know, I'm putting on my little tinfoil hat here. Is Doug Peterson trying to conceal early down tendencies by just running it on first down as much as possible because in this game i think he, he was they ran on almost every single first down the only first down first and 10 to open a drive that i can remember them not running on was the one after the jets scored they ran play action and picked up a free 13 yards to alshon jeffrey on a slam mm-hmm. like as easy as bread and butter it's just it's very curious to me because it we it, things that we know one Peterson and the coaching staff make uh, decisions with the uh, input of, of forecasting models, with the input of analytic models that project, you know, expected points added per play and what the best game script sort of thing is. Okay, so we know that. Boom. We also know Peterson has previously been very pass heavy on early downs. He's willing to throw the ball on first and 10. This year, despite the fact that factor A and factor B have not changed, they're running the ball a ton on first and 10. Yeah. And I just wonder... If the goal here in the first six, seven weeks, eight weeks of the season is to really present a strong, hey, we run the ball on first and ten a lot number so that later in the season they can throw it and work our PO games or play action pass games, which is not an unheard of thing. And I don't think they're like willing to lose for it. But I think that that the Eagles are very willing to look like a more run pass balanced team early in the season so as to break that balance potentially later because for all that Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard are for all that the offensive line has been over the past few weeks which is impressive which has been good which is nice this offense that it's best when the ball's in Carson Wentz's hands and they're throwing the ball down the field and maybe just Deshaun comes back and all of a sudden the first and 10 running goes away yeah maybe because obviously with no Deshaun again even against the Packers against the Jets now they're throwing short of the sticks yeah Short of six, short of six. Nothing is beyond the six. It's everything is short. Everything is curls and his hitches and his slants. It's just the Nick Foles offense. So maybe once the comes back, it becomes easier to open up the intermediate windows. We have more uh, a room for deep shots, and boom! All of a sudden, you know, we're passing on first and ten again. But the biggest, the storyline that interests me the most for the Eagles' offense through the first five weeks of the season is the decision to run the ball constantly on first and 10. Because that's very surprising given the history we know for Peterson. Yeah, and that's something I want to dive into when I when I chart this game and look at the overall season analytics and see when those happen and occur and how effective it's been for them. Because I still think passing is going to be more efficient for them ultimately. Like, I think that's what mm-hmm. they want to be as a team. So it's an interesting thing to track as we go along here. And it's hard to, again have takeaways from this game because of the game scripting, of course, in this game, when you're up 14-0 in the beginning of the first quarter 
two scores. Yeah, you're you're going to run the ball. And you're just going to try to get out of there. What about first quarter? The Eagles go up fourteen nothing. Then fourth and four, the Jets have it on the Philadelphia Eagles thirty seven yard line. Mike, what the uh, the Jets just put in Luke Falk. And guess what happened to Luke Falk on first and ten? Wait. He got sacked by Derek Barnett. Wait, they put in Luke Falk? He was the st- he was the he was the star. They pulled Luke Falk and put in David Fails. Oh, David Fails! Wow. Yes. The San Jose uh, San Jose State kid. Oh no, it was third and four. Excuse me, it was third and four. David Fails sacked for eight yards by Derek Barnett. Ten sacks on the day. The, uh, f- si- they have six defensive linemen with a sack. <laughs> right, Ridgeway, Curry, Fox, Barnett, Sweat, Graham. Oh, there it is. And then Scandrick has two more. I just I just saw it. Wow. 10 sacks for Ten the sacks. Eagles. Mike, I have a question. Yeah. Is that, is that good? good? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the funny thing is like all of the numbers about the Eagles struggling to sack are now going to be like astronomically through the roof and it's also going to be a complete lie. And it's going to look like, like we the never bad had a sack numbers, right? The bad sack numbers were lying to you <laughs> when they were bad and now they're good. They're also still going to be lying to you. This is why everything requires context. You cannot just look at a number because both numbers, I believe, were wrong before and after this game. So the Eagles continue to get to the quarterback. I was just going to ask you, though, what's it like to have a coward coach first quarter? You're down 14 nothing. Adam Gase has the ball at the Philadelphia Eagles, a 37-yard line, fourth and four. You miss a field goal. What's the point of go? What's a field goal going to do for you in that situation? What is Adam Gase thinking? And Adam Gase, by the way, giving all the first-team reps to Sam Darnold throughout the entire week, like he even had a chance to play. Adam Gase is out of his freaking mind, dude. And I could not cover the Jets. I cannot cover a coward coach. That was one of the weirdest decisions, not from him, but one of the weirder decisions probably of the week for me. What 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 about anything that Adam Gase does makes sense? But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's not even like right. on the scale of Adam Gase weirdness, going for a field goal down two scores, fourth and four from the Philadelphia Eagles 37 barely registers as as like a one. Sam Donald practiced with the one. That's what I'm that's what I was saying. Yeah, that was that was my other point in there. What are you doing? You're trying to kill your quarterback? Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's insane, right? Just- the doctors had to save Sam Darnold from Adam Gase. That's a problem. You have your your starting quarterback, second year, you know, potential franchise quarterback, is getting ultrasounds to see if his <laughs> organs are good enough to play. And you don't want to give the, the potential starter any first team reps? Adam Gase and about 2% of the Eagles fan base thought this was legitimately a trap game. Yeah, which I guess, <laughs> like, if you're Gase and you just think you're going to lose the game, then sure, kick a field goal. Sure. No reason to give Luke Falk first team reps. I don't know. Like Peterson punted on a fourth and five from the fifty. Right, because he just didn't care. I don't point. think he thought. I, I think if they were playing, you know, a different team, he would have thought a lot longer about going oh, for it. Absolutely. But you got to give Cameron Johnson some practice punting from the fifty in the event that it's fourth and fifteen next time, because Johnson doesn't get to practice his corner, coffin corner kicks very often, Mike, because the Eagles don't let him. Yeah. So you know, and that's that's kind of the other thing is that on top of the the frequency of the running, the Eagles came out with those. Pin, pull, buck, sweeps, double, you know, traps. And we had check calls and, and there was a lot of moving parts on these running concepts, which felt very much to me like, hey, it'd be nice if we could do this in a real game. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can get the checks correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if this goes for zero yards, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And we have it on film now. We can see what went yeah. wrong against these different types of fronts. So, yeah, the Eagles gave uh, they, they gave some interesting looks in the run game, and they ran the ball a lot. They gave very uh, uh, vanilla looks in the passing yeah. game. Carson was fine. Yeah. He didn't make any bad decisions. The two Aguilar misses are both annoying because not only was there illegal contact on both, and only one was called, but you do wonder if 13 is 10, even with that illegal contact. Right. Deshaun has a chance to get out of those balls. 
Because, like, I know Aguilar's a fast dude, but nobody's got pickup like like Deshaun does. Either way, th- those deep shots, I think it was nicely on target for those. Worked the middle of the field very nicely, very effectively. Uh, only throw that was just not great was the third and one to Goddard, where Adams broke it up, where he just left it behind. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, like, a, a third and seven wheel route to Sanders that he, like, you know, tried to get Sanders killed on. He tries to get his running backs killed on those swing routes sometimes, which is annoying. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, offense-wise, like, Wentz looked fine. Offensive line looked fine. Running backs... You know, Howard still looks good. Sanders still looks inconsistent, but has nice flashes. I have no idea what happened on the Corey Clement punt if that ball actually touched Craig, Jude, Alex, Lewis, James, (laughs) whatever the guy's name is. Uh, If it touched his heel or not, I think either way, it was not like a a well-coordinated special teams endeavor, regardless of who the first deal was to touch it. Um, So he continues to not get, you know, Clement's running back four. He continues to not be a big part of this game plan. Running back three, Darren Sproles, we should say, is now fifth on the all-time list for all-purpose yards. Big ups, Darren. Congrats. The whole reason he was signed to a one-year deal in 2018. Was to do this. And then he got injured. <laughs> and so then it became the whole reason he was signed to a one-year deal in 2019. <laughs> but he's top five on the list, and that's, I think that's Shagadelic, baby. Are you ready for, uh, why so much Sproles? Because <laughs> we do this with every running back every week. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I was ready for something else. And if if it was what you were going to say, I do have a written statement prepared that I'd like to read. Okay. So tell us about Nate Gary. How did you know? <laughs> Come on, brother. Uh, <clears throat> uh, from the desk of Benjamin Solak, October 6th, 2019. In my capacity as the uh, deputy editor for Bleeding Green Nation, the on-air talent for BGN Radio, I have been openly and publicly critical of the performance of third-year Philadelphia Eagle linebacker Nate Gary was a sixth-round pick in the 2017 NFL Draft. Parentheses. Actually, he might have been a fifth-round pick. I can't remember, but I don't feel like Googling it. Close parentheses. <laughs> Over the course of the 2019 season, Nate Gary has seen significant playing time due to injuries in front of him at the linebacker position. Parentheses. It's important to note this is not because he's been playing well. It's been because of injuries. Close parentheses. <laughs> Subsequently, Nate Gary has had two key interceptions in Philadelphia Eagles games, as well as a couple of very laughable plays against play action. Period. Anytime that Nate Gary makes a good play, I get added on Twitter, and I would like to give a public statement to this point. Nate Gary is still bad at football, period. <laughs> oh, man, I almost pulled it off. Dang it. Okay. <laughs> Nate Gary's still bad at football. He's made some good plays. Come, I'll give him that. But he's made him against Luke Falk and a broken Matt Ryan, who has oatmeal for brains. The Eagles do not want Nate Gary taking significant reps unless he continues to be the most inexplicable ball magnet in the NFL. <laughs> I take back nothing, unless Nate Gary hears this, in which case, White Snake, I take back everything. Cordially yours, Benjamin Solak. I would like to apologize for absolutely nothing. We'll be back here <laughs> on the Kist and Solak show right after this. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show episode 129, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, that's what it's powered by, and you're here with Michael Kist and Benjamin Solak. Ben, so the score is final as we're recording the game ended, or the scrimmage ended, the walkthrough ended for the Eagles 31-6, to they take care of business against the Jets. I feel very good for making fun of literally everyone that tried to call this a trap game, not only on Twitter, but also in the BGN comments on some of my articles. We apparently do not have the type of power that people thought we did. Our confidence did not cause a trap game. So here we are. Eagles move to three and two. That's my Big- favorite part of the trapping thing is like, you can't, guys, if the team hears this, the team does not care. We don't have that kind of divine power. And if we did, you should show us some respect. But 
major game coming up today with the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Once we get the final score of that and once the press conferences happen for the Eagles, of course, we'll have that at the podium with the postgame pressers and then Doug from tomorrow. I'll throw on some thoughts or maybe it'll be John Stolness doing it, but someone from BGN will be giving you thoughts on Monday on what that means for the division. Obviously, this is starting to look like a situation where the Eagles and Cowboys week seven game is going to be for the division lead. It's just a matter of uh, working out the semantics. Uh, the Eagles do have a, a, a nice challenge coming up ahead of them with the Minnesota Vikings they'll be playing the Vikings at home where the Vikings have been markedly better if they you, so there's that it's four times the challenge as the Jets and probably half the challenge as the Cowboys would you would you agree with that right but it's the same quarterback <laughs> it's this Luke Falk and Kirk Cousins <laughs> <laughs> no I mean at least me. they have Diggs and Thielen like that's the test for the secondary they can't play against the the Jet, the Vikings as they just played against the Jets correct Absolutely. Yes. Any other thoughts before we get to three words? Because this was, again, hard to have takeaways. Oh, I want to set you up for this. I wanted to set you up for this. I told you beforehand that I would set you up for this. Jake Elliott is perfect on the season. I'm going to need some help winning the bet on predicting under 85% for Elliott for the season. So I'm going to call myself out for that one. Uh, Ben, would you like to brag? About your son, Jake. No, there's no need to. This is who he is. <laughs> oh, jeez. He's Mr. Automatic. Okay. And he's never not been. All right. So there's no reason to Club treat this up. as anything other than run-of-the-mill, what is expected, Mr. Business suit and tie, Jake Elliott. I do want to I have a couple things on the defensive side. Yeah, go for it. Uh, whoever was calling the game, which I cannot remember who is who anymore, I, they said that Rodney McLeod has been one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent defender for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Disagree. To it, I would say no. Right. But Ryan McLeod played a good game. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins also played out of his mind. Friggin' outstanding. Um, which when there's a a team that's going to give Le'Veon Bell, you know, 75% of the touches, which is not an exaggeration. Right. On offense, uh, Jenkins was hugely important because Jenkins was dealing with any plays outside of the tackles for Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. When he was flexed out as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. When it was outside style runs, when it was screens, Jenkins all the time dealing with those plays. And I thought he was tremendous against who remains a very talented running back in Le'Veon Bell. I agree. Defensive line wise, obviously, like it was, you know, sharks with blood in the water a little bit. You know, 10 sacks, there's no way, to, uh, no way to hide the fact that everybody, everybody was going to eat, as Jim Tom Sula was going to say. But I did think that Akeem Spence had his best game thus far, which like matters because Akeem Spence has been bad and he was supposed to be the solution. Mm. So I liked to see the fact that Akeem Spence was actually making plays for once. That was very well. Ridgeway made one too. Yeah, he had a, he had a sack from Ridgeway has Ridgeway remains he's been solid. like inconsistent. He's inconsistently good. Yeah. is my thing. It's like he has flash plays and then he has bad plays. Right. And obviously, ideally, you'd like that to somewhere level out in the middle, so you at least know what you're getting out of him. Mm-hmm. But he remains like. Interesting. More so than a seventh round pick would have been for sure. So anyway, yeah, those are just a couple of defensive guys that stood out to me. I like it. Raiders just beat the Bears. So the Bears, what do they move to? Three and two? If I'm not mistaken. Why would you ever, ever just go play in London? Like, just explain it to me slowly. Yeah, I can't. Remember the Jaguars-Eagles game? Like, none of it made sense. Oh, just why are you? It was so dirty and bad. Just don't do it. I, I agree. I'm pretty sure, like, they don't have a choice, but still, don't. All right, Ben, you ready to go to three words? Every week, if you're new to this, every week at the end of the game or in the middle of the fourth quarter, if they're playing the Jets, we ask for three words from the gentle listeners to describe the game that just happened. And let's see what we got here. I think the first one that we had from John Stolness here from BGN, sacks are good. Simply stated. Prove it. It's fact. This at 83% 
of the time sacks end a drive or result in the end of a drive, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. I don't know I just, what it boom. is, but yeah, sacks are good. Yeah, of course you don't. I do, though, and I just proved it. Ben, you see anything? Gingerbeard11, PFAN90, who has been <laughs> a this. great contributor for three words for quite some time, uh, says fire Jim shorts. <laughs> Keeping the streak alive, and I, I appreciate that. He did have uh, 10 sacks, two defensive touchdowns. So <laughs> Weird week. Some give and take here. I think there's two sides to every coin, Mike. I, I appreciate and I the hear commitment. his. I am listen. Open discourse and debate is important. So yep. my stance, good day for the defense. His stance, fired him shorts. I think that's very fair. <laughs> it's always one. Teddy Buriani at TJ Buriani. No takeaways here. I mean, it's pretty hard to take away anything Incorrect. from this game. Three takeaways. Three. <laughs> Three takeaways. If we're taking that literally, then then yes. Uh, Mark Holoka, kind of along the same lane at Holoka underscore Mark week five scrimmage. This basically what this what this was. Yeah. Let's see. Are there any funny ones? Are there any, oh, so the Jake Evans responded to Gingerbeard eleven at the Jake Evans X with rehired Jim Schwartz. So Jim Schwartz has been fired and rehired on this podcast within a minute. I liked what we got from Casey Young at underscore Casey Young. Carson game manager question mark because while I was watching this game I was like I can't wait for fans of a certain Texas based fan base to be like Carson went struggled against the Jets because Carson like didn't have to do anything this week um so yeah like Carson not did not have a pretty game on the stat sheet you know what I mean um also big ups to Josh Semro at LeButt but spelt with four U's and one T oh the butt the butt yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah. But uh, he he responded with Jets bad, which is great because what he wanted to say is objectively a three word sentence. Mm. Jets are bad. Yeah, he could have said the Jets bad, but he worked as hard as he could to make sure it was less than three words. Which usually when we have a problem with the directions, right. it's in the other direction. We got ten words. He decided to go for two words on a sentence that very easily could have and should have been three words. Yeah, and I really appreciate the hustle and making sure he knew this was going to get read. Because he knew he, if he didn't follow the instructions, I was going to have to point it out. Right, exactly. Very cleverly done. I like it. Uh, Z Gucci at Playoff Gucci or at Playoff Z Gucci says defense scoring touchdowns. Let's talk about Orlando Scandal. We talked about Nate Gary. We can move along past that. You issued a non-apology. I issued my non-apology as well. Orlando Scandrick, who I thought when the Eagles signed him like in the offseason, I was like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They They need depth. He's a veteran guy. He played decent last year. No problem. He comes in, makes like a jumping sack looking like V-Doc to strip the ball and takes it back for a touchdown to pretty much finally really close the casket on this game. So, hey, I mean, you really can't complain. I didn't hear Skandrick's name other than that strip sack touchdown. That is solid. Skandrick also threw himself a little like move. He like engaged and then like push pulled and got the corner. Yeah. Like that was not regular corner blitz. Like he did some work on that. So respect to the veteran. He's clearly thrown that a few times in his day, right? Uh, and so, yeah, no, I liked that a fair bit as well. The only other one that I saw that I liked, uh, so Troy Kaz at Troy to Kaz says Gary defeats Solak. We also had Veronica Zinni at Vzin underscore BBY said Gary can catch question mark. Uh, and so I appreciated everybody. And also, yeah, this is the last one. I'm uh, Matt Sigda at Matt Sigda. White snake respect. I will say, I think <laughs> Gary spells white snake as one word, though you'd have to ask white snake that. That's gross. However... Uh, yes, so big ups. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the fact that we've got a low number, about 160 responses on this one, and at least three of them are about Nate Gary, <laughs> bane of my existence. <laughs> so that's going to do it for the Kissed and Solak Show episode 129. This uh, less than enthused recap, we apologize for the Eagles win. They moved to 3-2 and two on the season with more important games 
ahead and we'll have you covered here at BGN. Of course, like I said, at the podium, we'll address some of what goes down with the Cowboys and Packers and what's going on inside the division. And of course, we'll have some film review stuff that Ben will tell you all about. Ben, say, say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners. Hello. Here's the film review things you need to know. I'm going to get it all right on the first try. <laughs> so as Mike said, there'll be more Cowboys and other NFC East related reactions in the later shows after the Cowboys play and hopefully lose to the Green Bay Packers. That'll be at the podium Monday through Tuesday. The film review show will hopefully come out Tuesday into Wednesday as we get access to the All-22. Expect that on Wednesday. Yep. And then the mm-hmm. Eagles have the Vikings on Sunday coming up uh, in Minnesota, if memory serves. And yep. so uh, there'll be two preview shows for that. I'm looking for probably Friday, Saturday, maybe Thursday, Friday on those. Uh, offense versus defense and then defense versus offense, as is our typical structure. Babes on Broad, BGN Radio preview show. Uh-huh. That's like eight shows. There's no way we do more than that, right? Uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bring back Eye on the Enemy because I haven't been doing them because I mean I didn't want to talk about this Jets game any more than I had to. So I'm gonna do one probably with uh, probably get our buddy Arif Hassan to do an Eye on the Enemy episode with me and him. New homeowner Arif Hassan. Yeah, he joined the homeowner club. Welcome, buddy. So that's the plan for the podcast this week. What's cool is that you're a listener and you're a fan and you like listening to us, which is nice. And so. The moral of the story is we've got a ton of different shows upcoming this week to put the Jets fully to bed, not as if the past four hours wasn't enough for that, and then move on to the Minnesota Vikings and week six. So we are on to Minnesota. If you enjoyed the podcast, which we hope you did, go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to the show, especially if it's iTunes, because that's the one that matters. The rest of them are kind of pointless, unless you don't have an iPhone. I understand. I used to have an Android too. But anyway... Uh, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Jets are done. Eagles have a winning record, three and two. And we will catch you later this week. We all we got. I'm sorry. I, I just got totally thrown off because the Steelers won a coin toss in overtime and they deferred to no. Baltimore. <laughs> we all we got. We all we need. What? Fly Eagles. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? <laughs> B G N. <laughs>